adore you. You are great. You are wonderful. You are merciful. And so, Lord, I pray that as we open your word today, as you speak to us, not just through the written word, but you draw us, you speak in our hearts and in our spirit. I pray that we would witness you, that we would we would lay down our lives and we would see you. Lord, speak to us, lead us, and then our lives be honored and glorified. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, guys. Please have a seat. Luke 39 through 52. So when they had performed all things according to the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee to their own city, Nazareth. And the child grew and became strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. His parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up to Jerusalem according to the custom of the feast. When they had finished their days, as they returned, the boy Jesus lingered behind in Jerusalem, and Joseph and his mother did not know it. But supposing him to have been in company, they went a day's journey and sought him among their relatives and acquaintances. So when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem seeking him. Now it was that after three days they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the teachers, both listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. So when they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said to him, Son, why have you done this to us? Look, your father and I have sought you anxiously. And he said to them, Why did you seek me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? But when they did not understand the statement which he spoke to them, then he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was subject to them. But his mother kept all these things in her heart, and Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. Thank you, Emily. All right, it is that time. <clears throat> I have to like catch myself. I want you guys all to know, because I'm going to say this again, Brittany's walking away. Brittany's my wife. You could wave. I'm pretty sure everyone knows you, but there's my wife. Um, and I, w I about said this publicly, and so I want to just caveat so everyone knows if you ever hear me cry Woman, she's my woman, like we're one flesh, right? We're man, woman, one flesh, like it's, n it's like it's, it's not, it's not derogatory, like it's, it's precious. So I was about to say, hey, woman, what age groups am I dismissing? I should probably say that. I have it written down somewhere. First through third? Okay, up through third. If your kids are here and they're up to third grade and you want them to go downstairs, my woman, Brittany, my wife, she is teaching today. And Julie, I think, is helping. Thank you so much. They can go. They're, they're just standing there looking at me awkward because I tend to make things awkward. And that's what I'm here for, I guess. All right. We are in the book of Luke. Before we get to the passage, I have some questions I want to ask us. Uh, I want us as, as a congregation. You guys like old-fashioned terms? 
that, uh, sorry, that wasn't a rhetorical question. Do you guys like old-fashioned terms? Yeah? Okay, some. Okay. So congregation, like it's a group of people, right? Like that's all I mean. Like we're a group of people. Um, like if we wanted to like go to like really old terms, we could say church. Or like if we wanted to go into a different language in old-fashioned terms, we could say ecclesia, right? But literally all these things could just mean this group of us. Hey, this group of us here. Um, but we kind of like, we get to come together. We, you know, there's lots of reasons why we come together. We kind of talked through that a little while ago. But we, we get to come together and we get to decide how we're going to encourage each other, how we're going to exhort each other, teach each other, push each other to love God more. And, and so within this context, I just kind of want to ask a question before we get jumping into the passage. You know, again, not rhetorical. Um, don't know my mind goes to many places but here's the question what's the point okay be like family okay encouragement support give glory to God awesome To learn? Socialize? To emulate what we learn? Okay. Okay. Community, like-minded, in Jesus? Great. That's almost like a definition of what the church is. That's great. Okay, let's let's make it less broad. Let's let's get to this. Um, what's the point of coming to church on Sunday? Does that change any of your answers? I, I I think many of our answers was answering that, even though I didn't like point it towards exactly that. But like, does that change any answers? Anything else? Anyone wants to mention here? What about what's the point of like? How many of you have heard that you're supposed to read your Bible every day? Raise your hand. Okay. What's the point of that? Every day? Relationship with God? What about singing? What was the point of all that? Praising God, right? Lifting him high, talking about him, talking to him, right? Great. I feel like I'm going to move on because I think some people don't necessarily like the whole interactive part. Maybe not not like isn't the right answer, but... I. I'm fine with awkward silences. I, I wouldn't say I enjoy them, but I'm fine with them, okay? I've come to peace with them. Let, let me get to the point. I think there's a question that we should be asking in everything that we do. And what's the purpose? What's the, what's the point of what we're doing? And my hope and my desire is that, uh, uh, you know, 
just to encapsulate a little bit of what we're talking about today is my desire is that we do not ever just come into this familiar, comfortable, rote, traditional way of doing things that we actually miss the point. And I think as we look at this passage that we talk, uh, that, that Emily read for us today, there's this great danger where familiar, familiarity, I'm going to say that a lot today, and I'm going to mess up every single time it looks like, where familiarity can lead to some like just missing the point. And so the first thing I want us to do is, is I want us to look at the parents. As we look at this story, Jesus Jesus is born. We, we have this great, wonderful Christmas story. God himself, not, listen, this is not a normal birth. We celebrate his birth for a very specific reason because he is not the same as us. He is God who was in the beginning. I mean, John tells us this. In the beginning was the word. He calls him the word because he's, he's the revelation of who God is. Not, so, so in the very beginning, God he was, he was with God, he is God, there's this, there's this tri part of his spirit, like he's with himself, he's complete, he needs nothing else, he doesn't need us, but he has a desire for us, so he creates us. And literally, John tells us that without Jesus, nothing was made that was made. So we celebrate, in, in, during this Christmas time, like that Christmas time, because we're past it, right? It's not this one, because ne- now we're looking forward to the next year, anyway. Um, we celebrate that God came down in the flesh. This is our creator now in human form. And, and we get this beautiful, wonderful picture. And the truth is, is I'm pretty sure, I didn't go double check this, but I'm pretty sure there's four gospels that tell the story of Jesus Christ. They, they tell the life, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And in the four gospels, this is the only one that doesn't go from like birth and then jump straight to like, okay, now he's a full-grown man, he's teaching, he's, no, no, no. This is one little snippet we get of the in-between. And it's Jesus as a 12-year-old. Now, modern, I don't know where I should say modern, but like um, modern Jews have this tradition of like a bar bar mitzvah, right? Where you you become 12 and and then you're declared a man. (laughs) Sorry. We live in the 21st century, and, and we got the Peter Pan syndrome all over the place. And nowadays, we can't figure out that 25-year-olds probably still don't need to be on dad's insurance. But, you know, like, like at 12 years old, like, they're considered a man. So really, like, this is kind of the, you know, in, in ancient Jewish culture, you know, how much of this was like, hey, he's a man now. Maybe not so much, but, like, maybe this is more where he, he dives more into his learning and his studies. He's going to go from, like, general education that the the women would teach at home to more specialized training that he would have to go to the synagogue to get so this is kind of this transition period but but it's his adolescence it's it's him as a teenager well 12 is not quite teen even though we call them teens but anyway so jesus he's 12 years old and 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 we get this little snippet and i don't know how many of you have tried to have that image of jesus like as a kid how many of you have like tried to imagine what it was like to be the sibling of Jesus? To be James running around and having the, the parents saying, you know, why, why aren't you more like Jesus? And that's a question I still ask my kids. Why aren't you more like Jesus? Because I can't even compare them to themselves, you know. But like, like the, the, we get this crazy picture here 
of Jesus in his adolescence. And there's some really, there's some things here that I believe are really hard to understand. Because you have God, the creator, the all-powerful, and then you have him as a, as a young preteen. And so I want us to try to consider through this story a little bit of what it was like as the parents of Jesus Christ. First thing I want us to see, if you have your little papers, I'm really bad at papers, and so I'll be honest, it probably helps me to try to give you guys something so that I'm more clear. But number one is that his parents were subject to God. And what, what I want, want us to kind of see from this is Mary and Joseph went every year to the temple to celebrate the Passover. This is their yearly tradition. This is what they did. They were honoring God. This is what God calls all Jewish people to do. And not necessarily all of them did. But Mary and Joseph were seeking to honor God and, and raise their children and do what God had told them to do. I originally put obey obedience right but parents don't like to think of being obedient right that's for children right but mary and joseph they're obedient to the things that god has said they're obedient and they're honoring god the one who told them how to live and the one who has blessed them the one that has called them by his name and mary and joseph are seeking to honor god and one of the things that they're doing in seeking to honor god is they bring their children to the temple yearly for the passover think there's something we could learn from the parents of Jesus as we think about our children and the fact that we are subject to God, that God has given us a responsibility and a burden to raise our children in the nurture and the admonition of our God. And it's important, listen parents, it is important that you show your children what it means to love God. It is important to teach your children the importance of God in your life. And I want you to be asking that question, well, what's the point? What's the point of taking our kids to church? Is it just so someone else takes care of them for an hour? What's the point of you being their parent? This is not a question just for Sunday. Listen, this is a, a once-a-year event for Mary and Joseph, and I'm arguing that it's so much more than that. As the parents, we have a burden and a responsibility every single day to be teaching our children what it means to honor our God. That we follow him, that we do what he tells us to do, that we honor, that we are his subjects. He is our king. We honor him. We honor him in our conversations at home. We honor him in, in what we prioritize in our family. We honor him in what we teach we honor him in the way that we are an example to our children in how we respond. We are subjects of our God. We are not subjects of just ourselves. What's the point of being a parent? It's literally a command from God to go forth and be fruitful and multiply. God created Adam and Eve and he said, go, multiply, have children. Because when we teach our children that creation order that we were made in the image of God and we honor God with that image in our life. When we get to honor our God 
by seeing his image of charity and seeing them worship our God. We are subject as parents to our God. And I want, I want us to think about the parents of Jesus here because the situation we fall into here is, is Mary and Joseph, they're, they're, they're trying to be good parents. They're trying to honor God. And, and they go and they take their children yearly to the Passover feast in Jerusalem. And they're trying to instill in them what it means to, to worship God the way he has said that he is to be worshipped. And so they go. And then they go home. Now, kind of, what's my second point here? Okay, yeah. Um, I don't want us to, I think there's a danger sometimes when we read these stories and we know what's right, that we're just like, oh, how could they leave their child in Jerusalem? But I was left at church when I was a kid. Granted, I got eight brothers and sisters. We had a 15-passenger van. It's not like my parents sat there and counted us all as we went in. How many of you, raise a hand, let's be honest here. How many of you have left or have been left at an event? Okay. We're not quite in the, we got a couple more slowly coming up. Jacob's, Jacob's trying to remember, it's hard for his brain. But, you know, like, we're getting there, right? Like, maybe not half, but like, I've been left at church for like two hours. My parents were home and they're like, oh, where's our son? Like, literally, I walked over to the parsonage with my pastor and called them. This is way before cell phones, but I don't know about way before. They might have existed. I don't know. But, yeah, it, it, listen, there's, there's something here that we have to talk about, and it's this word familiarity. Jesus' parents were his parents, not just at Christmas, and then 12 years later, every day in between, they knew him. They'd done this before. They'd gone to the temple every year to celebrate the Passover. This, listen, this was normal. This was what they did. And I mean, from the story, we get the sense that they weren't doing it alone. There's this whole group of them that were traveling together. And so, like, you know, we're, we're moving away from the day and age when we just let our kids roam the streets and then, you know, hope they come back for dinner or something. Like, you know, you'd hear the stories, that, you know, the parents would kick them out and say, don't come back before dark, you know. Like, <laughs> yeah, we don't really live in that day and age anymore, right? Like, Nowadays, like, your kid gets picked up and, you know, they weren't with a supervision and you get arrested and go to jail, right? But, like, yeah, like, he was off playing with kids. We're traveling. He's with his friends, I bet. I'm sure. I don't know. James, did you see where Jesus was? Okay, no, I'm sure. And then, you know, it's just, you know, eh, it happens. What we're talking about here with familiarity is a real danger, but it happens. And when we ask the question, well, what's the point? We actually have to ask ourselves, what's the point? Because if we're not careful, we'll just give the answer that we learned in Sunday school when we were a kid, and we don't ever think about it. See, Mary and Joseph, 
Like they had heard from angels and God himself that their son was God, that he was the Messiah, that he, they had prophesied to them by random people in the temple that this would be the one that would bring the fulfillment of the consolation of Israel. They, they knew, they understood, they had promises from God that Jesus was everything, and yet they still had to wipe his butt. And it sounds almost sacrilegious to say that. It's crazy to think about this. It, it's crazy for us to think that the God of all creation needed his parents to wipe him. It's crazy for us to think that, let's imagine the voice that spoke everything into creation can't utter a word but has to weep to beg to be fed. We have a real conundrum as Christians. Because on one hand, we sing a song called In the Garden, and we sing about Jesus walking and talking with us. We talk about this personal relationship we have with our God, and it's intimate. And I believe God has sarcasm, because I have sarcasm and I want him to. But like I believe in, in Scripture, we see his sense of humor. We, we learn about his desires. He's a person. He has things he likes. He has things he doesn't like. And, and we get to like have a relationship with him. But we must never forget in the familiarity of our relationship with our God that he is the God of all creation. Jesus looks at his, his, his mother and his father as they come to him and they find him in the temple and he says, did you not know? Yeah, they knew. But they forgot. They forgot because, I mean... It's been like 12 years since an angel talked to me. They forgot because, well, I was tired. My feet hurt. And James is crying. I forgot because I was busy. I was distracted. And God speaks. God has a plan. God has a purpose. God has priorities. God is working God has given you a promise, and you know it, but maybe you forgot, or you're distracted. The parents of God, sorry, the parents of Jesus, who is our God, the earthly parents, they were so familiar with Jesus, and the danger of becoming so familiar with Jesus is that we lose sight who he is. We sing and he walks and he talks. But we must also sing every day of our life. As parents, and, and I believe that it's because of this anxiety, or because of this familiarity, that there's anxiety. And when you look at the parents here, they, 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 they find out their son is not with the group. Traveled away a day away, and then they waited, and then they had to travel a day back, and and they're looking for their son. And, and Mary says this to Jesus, verse number 
48. Son, why have you done this to us? Look, your father and I have sought you anxiously. And listen, there's a concern here for Jesus that might be good. Like, as a parent, like, as much as, like, it happens, we leave our kids at times, right? And we're not perfect parents, and, yeah, we mess up. Like, uh, but we still have a desire for our children. I'll be honest with you. There's an anxiety in me to be the best parent, to protect my children, to, to keep, I mean, I keep watching true crime documentaries, and, and there's a lot of bad stuff out there. And how am I supposed to protect my children from all of this? Mary and Joseph are three days without their son, and they're looking, and they can't find him. Did someone steal him? Did someone kill him? Did someone harm him? Where's my son? There's anxiety. There's, what, what, what do I do? And listen, I want to be clear. I think at times our anxiety is like sometimes justified. It's never enough. Our anxieties are never the right response. And that's a harsh thing to say in the day and age we live in. And I don't mean to demean it. It can be good. It can be justified. But it won't help. We need Jesus. Because he's the one who created us. Who gave us our purpose. Who gave us our, 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 our design. Who has created us in his image. And as long as we are trying to live apart from what he's created us to be. We will be incomplete. We will be hopeless. We have to come to him. We have to cast our cares on him. Because he cares for us. There's a concern for Jesus that I think is, is pretty justified. I mean, they cared for their son. They wanted to protect him. They, they, wanted, they, they had a burden and a responsibility for him. But there's also, I believe, I believe I'm not reading into this too far. Because of can't concern for themselves, I just think isn't right. Mary said this. She said, son, why have you done this to us? What do you mean? What did I do to you? What did I do to you? Sometimes we bring these questions to God and we start blaming God. And we're like, why did you do this to us? Why did you allow this? Why did you? And we start ascribing to God all these things that he's done terribly. believe there's a lot of anxiety in our life when we make ourselves the God. And if your only concern is what's good for you, what you need, what you want, what you desire, your life will be full of anxiety. Why have you done this to us? Even as parents who are subject to God, who have a familiarity with Jesus, there's this anxiety because of what it means to them. What does God mean to you? Are you, well, I mean, what's the purpose? What's the point? 
What's the point of your life? This is a hard question to ask. But what's the point of your life? People have famously taught this. I'm not the first. But there's a phrase that I'm going to use time and time again in my life. What's the point of my life? To know God and to make him known. What's the point of our churches? To know God and to make him known. What's the point of us singing worship songs? Is to know God and to make him known. What's the point of reading this every single day? To know God. It's so that I can make him known. Not what I think about him, but what he's revealed himself to be. To know God. To make him known. This is the point of our life. And when we place anything else above that, anxiety, or stress, or worry, or cares. Why did you do this to us? It's not the right question. I want us to quickly, uh, quickly, as quickly as I can, in this story, I want us to take a look at Jesus. First of all, I want to get out of the way. <laughs> out of the way, <laughs> it sounds wrong. I think it's important that we do recognize this. Jesus was subject to his parents. And again, this is the crazy conundrum that we live in. This is hard for us to really understand and fathom. But Jesus, the God of all creation, is subject to his parents. Look at verse number 51. And he says, then he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was subject to them. Listen, we're going to talk about Jesus a little, a little bit more and what he's doing. But, uh, but in the midst of everything that he's doing, uh, Philippians tells us that, that Jesus he emptied himself. He, he humbled himself. He made himself of no reputation. He took upon himself the form of a bondservant. Jesus, the God of all creation, our creator, all-powerful, all-knowing, everything, came in human flesh and became subject to his parents. And when his parents said, I don't care what you're doing, we're going home, Jesus said, okay. That's crazy to think about. And it is far beyond me to tell you all the ramifications of what all that means. But I'll tell you what it does for me. It takes away any excuse I have to not honor and obey my parents. Can you? Awkward silence goes through the room. Teens? Teens? No excuses. Listen. I understand I'm telling some of you. <laughs> your parents aren't perfect. And when God tells you to honor them and obey them, he didn't say, unless they don't follow me. He didn't say, unless they get something wrong. He said, honor them. And this is a promise. It'll be good for you. There's a burden and a responsibility. As parents, we are subject to our God. We have a responsibility to do it right. 
and we're not going to be perfect in it. And, and God is gracious and he's merciful and he's ever present to help in our times of need, okay? But we are not perfect parents. And children, no matter whether your parents are perfect or not, it is not yours to tell them how they should do it. It is yours to honor them. not asking you I'm not asking you to be evil or do evil things I think you follow the leading of the Holy Spirit and if, if your parents actually lead you into like go kill this person like I think we have a, a father in heaven who whose authority you know rules supreme there and I want you to know in your life in the things that you're worried about and the things that you're concerned about Whatever you think is most important right now, lay it down. Your parents aren't perfect, and they're not going to do everything right, but they love you, and they care for you. And they do want the best for you. And in their familiarity, maybe they get things wrong. But God has called you to honor and obey them. And there will come a day when you're, you're head of your own house, and you're, you're out on your own, and then you'll have to answer to God for your decisions and what you prioritize, and what you do with your life. But as long as we are under the authority of our Father, we be subject to Him. Jesus had to do it. Why can't you be more like Him? See, Jesus is a lot more than just the, the child of Mary, the, the stepchild of Joseph. He is God. And so as we look at Jesus, we, we recognize that in the, in the end of the story, he obeys, he goes home, and he's subject to his parents. And then we're going to see him years later as he begins his ministry. But what I want us to take a moment to look at is what was he doing for three days in the temple? He was conversing. Big word. It's not even a sentence. I don't know how to boil this point down. But he's talking. He's having conversations with people. There's three things he did. Three things that are mentioned here that he did for the three days he was there. Verse 47. 46, sorry. Now, so it was that after three days they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the teachers, both listening and asking. And all who heard him were astonished at his understanding and his answers. Jesus was listening, and he was asking, and he was answering. Jesus was having gospel conversations by listening, asking, and answering. And what I want you to recognize is like as Jesus answers this question about what he was doing, he says he's about his father's business. He's having conversation with people. He's asking, he's listening, and he's answering. And I want you to know our lives, what's the point of our lives? It's to know God and to make him known. We need to be having conversations with people where we are listening, we're asking, and where we are answering. How do we, how do we go present the gospel, the good news that Jesus paid the penalty of our sins? How do I do that? Is it go knock on doors and hand a, a piece of paper and run away? 
is, how do I do that at work? Is it, is it standing up to things I disagree with and, and making a stand? Is it, is it voting in November? Is it like, how do we do this? How do we actually make God known? We listen. We ask. And then we answer. We answer what God said, not just our own ideas. Let me be clear. We don't get to, <laughs> we don't get to just throw answers that make no sense out there. What, what's the point of our conversations? What's the, what's the point of our, our job? What's the, point of, uh, what, what's the point of our recreation? Are we, are we listening to people? Are we, are we hearing their hurt, their pain, their need? Are we, are we hearing their questions? Or are we just answering something before we've even listened to what they're go, what's going on? We actually have to meet people. We have to, we have to see them. We have to listen to them. I'll be honest, like, this is a hard thing for me. This is a discipline for me. The, in Proverbs it says, even a fool is considered wise when he keeps his mouth shut. And that's been like a life verse for me because, as you can tell, I can keep my mouth open a lot. But even a fool is considered wise and keeps his mouth shut. I beg of you, go have conversations with people in your life today. Let's just start with people we already have conversations with. Let's actually start listening to them. And then let's, let's ask questions. Let's ask questions that actually matter. Man, it's, <laughs> I'm glad the sun's out. You think it's going to snow again today? I'm not saying that that doesn't have impact somewhere. But as we listen to people and we begin to see what they're hurting about, what they're concerned about, where are their anxieties? Now let's actually ask questions about their life, about their hope, about their purpose. What are they seeking after? And then we give answers. And I'll be honest with you. There's a lot of questions out there. I don't have all those answers. I try to read. I try to study. There are great resources out there. There are great theologians and, 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 and people who can talk with a lot bigger words than me who have come up with answers to some of these questions. But I want us to know that the answer is our purpose, to know God and to make him known. This is the answer. The things that we're facing in our lives, the cares, the anxieties that we face, the answer is going to be to know God. We cannot become so familiar and, and, and in the rut of tradition that we come to church and we don't actually seek to know our God more. We must not get so familiar with the things that we do that we forget to see Him. We need to realign our focus. We need to realign our priorities. We need to see our God. And we need to talk to people about it. We need to have gospel conversations to make him known. Last thing I want to talk about is as we look at Jesus in this story, he's very, very, very Usually, that's the parent who's saying, oh, I'm busy. 
But as we look at this, Jesus is given. Now Mary and Joseph are come and they say, how could you do this to us? Don't you know we're anxiously looking for you? And Jesus said, why did you seek me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? Our God is visible. This does not negate from his, how personal he is. He's not too busy to hear your prayers. He's not so limited that he can't answer you. But why are you seeking me? Why are you seeking God? Are you seeking God just to make you happy? Are you seeking God to be a genie? Are you seeking God to just evaporate all your problems? Are you seeking God to, to just make you the center of the universe again? Our God is busy. He is busy doing the work of his Father. And if you want to find him, you do the work of your Father. And that's where you'll find Jesus. Our God is actively working to accomplish his purpose, which is the good of all mankind for all time. He is working to reconcile and bring back his creation so that he can redeem it and restore it to its fullness. Not just for today, but for all of eternity. And as long as our anxieties and our cares and our worries are only focused on today and myself, how dare we think God will listen? How dare we think we get to tell God what he should be doing right now? No, our God is busy. He's working. He's active. And it's, he, listen, he's working in our lives. But not just for today and not just for you. And so when we realign our focus, when we, when we, as familiar as you are with Jesus, I beg of you today, realign your focus. Re look, read, understand what he is doing, what he wants to do, and set your feet in the direction he is going. We build this relationship with our God by walking with him, and he's walking in a certain direction. And we can keep going on our own. Come and step with our God because he's busy. He's working. Why are you seeking him? Why are you seeking God? We need to, we need to take our focus off of the tradition, what we always do. We need to take our focus off of ourself and what I want and what I think. We need to put our eyes on our God. We need to begin to ask the question of, of what is his purpose, what is his plan, what is he doing? And then as we realign and we see the heart of our God, the heart of our God which is for all people and for us, then we can begin to live a life to accomplish the purpose for which he's created us. Why are you seeking God? Let's pray. Lord, we come to you today. We do come. And it's not out of tradition, and it's not because we have to, and it's not just because it's what we do. But I come to you, Lord, and I beg you to open my eyes.
that you would show me the wicked ways that are within me where I'm selfish, where I'm self-centered, where I don't care for people the way that you care for them. Lord, I just pray that you would open our hearts, open our eyes. But most importantly, Lord, I pray that you would speak to us, that you would show us your glory, that you would, you would draw us close to you. And that as we do walk and we talk with you, that you would begin to do a work in us, that you would continue to do the work that you've already begun, that you would transform us, that you would reconcile and redeem us, that you would make us and enable us to be everything that you've designed. And Lord, we pray this not for our own glory, not for uh, our own pleasure, but for yours. May you be glorified in everything. In Jesus' name. All right. I love you guys. I just want to say that. Um, thank you. Uh, one. Okay. Um, I, I, I recognize in my life that I can make things very traditional. I recognize in my life, um, and by the way, this is not scripted. I don't, I don't. Not, I'm not trying to prove a point or anything in this. I, I want you to know, I recognize in my life that there's times when I can get into preacher mode and maybe I talk different up here than I do when I'm down with you guys. But I want you to know, I desire to have a relationship with you guys. I want to walk with you. I want to talk with you. And, and uh, I want to get to know you. And I can't say I've done the best job at that. I haven't done everything in my power. I haven't done everything that I've meant to in, in my time here to be intentional, uh, to be getting to know each of you as much as I've wanted. And so I need your guys' help. Um, just come bug me, my phone number. Um, I don't think I've put it on the website. The website is something I haven't jumped into fixing yet, um, but that's on the to-do list. Um, but my phone number's on this piece of paper. If you guys ever need anything, ever want to talk, or if there's any way um, you can tell me how I can reach out to you, please, please, please uh, let me know. I, I want to spend some time getting to know you guys. So uh, as, as much as Sunday morning, I don't want it to just be regular traditional stuff. I mean, we have a purpose for what we're doing, and we're going to do it. So it's not always the easiest time to, to, to get to converse with you guys. But I'd love to do it, okay? So uh, however I can uh, help do that throughout this week, uh, in, in the years to come, uh, please let me know. Uh, as far as announcements and things we have going on, Wednesday nights um, are going to change just a little bit once again. Um, youth group, uh, we have food for the youth group starting at 545. And then the youth group will start with, excuse me, a, a, a lesson and then do some games and I I don't think the youth have done crafts. Well, actually, for Christmas, they did a, a edible manger scene, nativity scene. So there you go. They do do crafts every once in a while, <laughs> as long as they can eat it. But um, uh, this Wednesday night, we're starting a children's program. Uh, uh, very fancy. Um, I called it Kids Club. There you go. Uh, it took me a long time to come up with that name, but there you go. Uh, so Wednesday night, starting at 6, we'll go from 6 to 7. It's going to be one hour. There's going to be games. We'll probably do crafts with them because their attention span is much smaller, and they like to do things with their hands, like paint on walls and stuff. And How many of you have children? You know what I'm talking about. 
But, um, so children's program, Kids Club, it's going to be starting this Wednesday, 6 to 7 o'clock. If you're interested in helping with either youth group or children, Kids Club, Children's Club, I'm going to mess it up a bunch. Um, kids club or youth group, please come talk to me. Um, we're pretty informal around here, and, and we take all the help we can get. So um, if you'd like to help, come please talk to me. And if you have any questions or uh, you know anyone that needs to know, uh, uh, know about the kids club, I didn't get any flyers for that, but there's um, a post on Facebook. Uh, you can share that uh, from the Living Hope Church Facebook page. Um, other things on here, small group Bible study tonight starting at 6. And then um, that's all I've got on here for sure. Uh, I'll give you a heads up. I don't have a date yet, um, but I, I was talking with Chandra uh, two days ago, and I realized Valentine's Day is like a month away. <laughs> like time is already flying, and uh, I meant to be like on top of things, and, and we're not quite there yet. So Valentine's Day, we're going to probably not on Valentine's Day. That's a Wednesday night. But either the Friday before or the Friday after, um, we'll do a child free child care here at the church so parents can come, leave their kids, and go have a date. Um, and so that'll be, um, uh, I got to nail down a date on, on people who said they would help me. And so that'll be either the Friday before th Valentine's Day or the Friday after. So if you're interested in helping, not purposely looking at all the Barneses right now, but I am. Um, uh, come talk to me about that one too. Uh, any other announcements? Anything else we got going on? All right. Steve, do you want to pray for us?